4: The Brighter Side is brought to you by Audible.com. Go
5: to audibledrial.com brighterside Brighter Side for your free trial.
6: first one oh man it started off so nice I was in this like valley this beautiful fertile green valley with mountains around me huge open space and there was this cabin I'd seen this cabin before I had been there before but I don't remember where or how felt like a vacation home or something little bit more rustic Uh, and I I walk in the back door and I see some people sleeping so I'm being quiet and I'm walking around looking at it it seems great Um, and then I and then I walk into one of the bedrooms and I see some people in the corner or, or some blankets and people sleeping in the corner and I I I reveal the blanket and it's just three bloated dead babies. And I don't want to make a noise to wake other people up, but like I run away. (sighs) And then I I go to this other part of the valley and there's someone's just like a mass grave burying people. And I'm like, what's going on? What is happening? They're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then it was like a mystery. Like, why is this happening? Oh, no one solved the mystery.
2: Hey,
3: everybody! What's going on? Thank you for tuning in. The brighter side: a cynic's look of optimism. Uh, I'm Ed Larson. Joining me right now is Mr. Cena, John. How you doing, buddy? Oh man, I'm a lot better after that. Dream is now over. <laughs> that was an amazing nightmare. I appreciate that. I like a good bucket of dead babies in a nightmare. I had
4: to go back to sleep after that because just to try to forget about it, it was terrifying.
3: I find a lot of times when I have nightmares and I try to go back to sleep, I just start the nightmare from where I left off. Yes, you
4: go back in the nightmare. That is what happens sometimes. But in this case, I think it was good that I recorded it and Mm -hmm. that it was like gone into the ether now and I could go back to having a normal sleep.
3: Sometimes I enjoy my nightmares. Like if I'm having a spooky enough nightmare and it wakes me up, I try to get back to sleep because, you know, I like horror movies, you know, and and I'm kind of making my own there.
4: And that is the fundamental difference between us, Eddie.
3: No budget, either. (laughs) Yeah,
4: no budget for that.
3: (laughs) That's that's free entertainment, man. (laughs) Netflix can get fucked up its ass. Oh, bleep Netflix.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Man, that is terrifying. I think you had a a bad dream. Don't tell me about one of yours.
3: I had this one reoccurring nightmare where I don't know if I've ever told you about it. Actually, I might have brought it up on the show. It's uh, I've had it, like, three times now, and it's a little bit different each time, but this is how I generally remember it. I'm in South Africa in Cape Town. This is before I even went to South Africa. I just always knew that I was in South Africa and I was by the water. I guess I was, like, watching a lot of Air Jaws at the time, you know, or whatever. So it was just, like, a place in the world that was, like, near and dear to my heart. And uh, so basically the setting is where I'm on the beach. I'm with, like... A gorilla, not like uh, not like a chest pounding gorilla, like a like a dude from the army, you know, like a like a a insurgent. G U E. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) and he's got this uh, AK forty seven, and we're on the beach just talking about shit. And the sky is this weird, like, purple, and there's just all these, like, lightning bolts in the sky, but there's no clouds in the sky. And it's just, like, a purple sky with lightning bolts everywhere. And then out of nowhere, an orca fucking beaches itself. And then we're like, oh, shit, we got to get this orca back in the ocean or it's going to die. And so we, like, start, like, tugging on the orca, trying to get it back in the water. And then the orca bites off this guy's leg and it just like chews off his leg and he's there screaming blood squirting everywhere and York is going crazy and I don't know what to do and the guy eventually bleeds out and dies in front of me and I don't know how to like (laughs) fucking handle the situation so I just grab his AK-47 and I shoot the fucking orca in its head a whole bunch so Ted's like gone (laughs) And then I look down the beach and it's just orcas all down the beach. There's like 40,50 orcas, and I just gotta slowly walk down the beach and start plugging them each in the head with the AK-47. And that's when I wake up
2: that's-
3: <laughs> I don't know what it means. Is that a nightmare? I, it was. It seems scary. I don't want to kill an orca. I love orcas. I, I guess
4: so. Yeah. I mean, it seems like one hell of an adventure.
3: Yeah, yeah. What do you
4: think it meant to you? Were you going through something at the time?
3: Uh, you know, I don't think so. It always. Uh, it happened to me in high school, and it happened to me in college, and it happened to me once in New York. The dream. I've had it three times now.
4: Do you believe in dreams representing something?
3: I do, kind of. But you know, because your brain's dealing with what your brain's dealing with but I don't think that... I don't know what this could possibly mean. You know, I think it's just, like, a random scenario, and I think it replayed in my head because I thought about it so much. I don't think that it, like, it replayed because... I, you know, it meant something. I think that it just kind of stuck with me because it's a fun story. Yeah. You know, and and that's why I keep having versions of the dream is because I never stop thinking about it.
4: It's also emotionally memorable, too, because you really don't want to be killing these orcas. No, I love orcas. They're my favorite. Well, that's something very striking that you had a dream about killing something that you really like.
3: Oh, I guess I I never thought about it
4: like that. One of the things I think our listeners should, should hear as well is that, you know, for me, I stopped smoking a pot for about a week so that I could dream harder and when I don't smoke pot I actually have extremely vivid dreams so if you really want to get into your dreams and you're um, a smoker take a break for a while that's
3: actually why I smoke is to feel the nothing yeah,
4: yeah. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to confront. I always feel like my subconscious wakes up when I haven't been smoking for a while, the, and then my subconscious is like, "Oh, oh, we've been sleeping for a while. It's time to get back to
3: work." We definitely dulls your sense of, you know, creative thinking in some in some areas. It inspires it in others, but in some places, I feel like it kind of just numbs it out.
4: A hundred percent agree. Any any drug, any alcohol, any any sort of drug you take is definitely going to numb you to a point if you're not practicing some sort of moderation with it Uh, but we've got a great show lined up for everyone Uh, today yeah
3: Amber's not with us now but she's gonna be joining us in just a moment and she's gonna be interviewing comedians Jake Flores and Kyle Ayers about their dreams and then we're gonna come back uh, me and Sina with an interview from Rodney Asher, who is actually the director of Room 237 and the movie The Nightmare, both available on Netflix. Please watch The Nightmare as a documentary about sleep paralysis yeah. and uh, all the fucking horrors that come with that.
4: Very creepy. Don't watch it late at night by yourself. Or maybe you should.
3: Yeah. If you want to actually feel it to its full potential, let's uh, watch it late at night. Enjoy it that way.
4: Uh, And before we go to Amber, please remember, uh, hit us up on the Facebook
3: group, comment
4: on iTunes and subscribe, and get on that voicemail, 347-620-6615. Thanks for everyone who sent in their nightmares. We're going to probably do something with those down the road, but please keep sending in your stories. Uh, We want them, 347-620-6615.
3: Just call and say hi, man. It makes me feel good to know you guys are out there. I love you guys, and... uh I like hearing your voices And uh, it's one thing to talk to you on Facebook But it's another thing to hear what you sound like So that'd be I get, You get to hear what we sound like We don't get to hear shit from you So flood up our voicemail We set this thing up for a fucking reason
4: Yeah, thanks uh, I, I agree with all of that, Eddie
3: All right, well, let's take it to Amber You know she's got some fucking horrifying shit <laughs> Deep down in her goddamn twisted brain Amber, take it away
1: Yeah, nightmare fuel, bitches. Yeah, we're talking about sleep apnea, sleep paralysis, night terrors, the devil's coming in your brain and he's taking a dump in there. And guess what? It stinks. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the brighter side. I'm Amber Nelson. We've got Mary Kelly. Hello. And we've got two gentlemen here that suffer from a lot of sleep, uh, fucked up sleep stuff. We got Jake Flores.
0: Hello. Was that a Rob Zombie
1: song? I don't know. I just made it up. I'm that pretty was good at awesome. that. And we got Kyle Ayers. Hello. Hi. So now both you guys, now, now Jake and I, we were talking earlier. So you suffer from sleep apnea.
0: Yeah, yeah. i got real fucked up sinuses and uh, the inner uh, workings and gears and shit of what <laughs> is supposed to bring air from outside into my body. Uh, it's all messed up. Um, mm. So.
1: So you're saying that you don't go through the normal sleep cycles that people do, so your brain is, uh, really gives you some crazy messages at night?
0: Yeah, sleep apnea is really fucked up. A lot of people don't know that they have it. I didn't really know I had it until a few years ago when it started to get really bad, but what it is is, uh, you breathe differently when you fall asleep. So when you fall asleep, uh, if you you have sleep apnea, what happens is when you go into that, that sleep breathing mode, you, uh, can't breathe and you end up choking, like, somewhere between 10 and 100 times a night
1: oh shit you have no idea
0: yeah so what happens is you're asleep you start choking you either shoot back awake or you kind of don't get there but your brain doesn't get oxygen when it's supposed to and then it cuts off the 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 little cycle the the REM cycle you're Mm -hmm. supposed to be getting through you're supposed to get, like, six REM cycles a night, I think, roughly, in order to for, to not go crazy and to be rested and for sleep to do whatever sleep is supposed to do. Mm. Um, but you end up just cutting off and then restarting the first cycle all night. So you wake up, you feel crazy. When you finally do get to sleep, you have a dream that is, like, a dream that it, the, the dream itself has been trying to, to start. And keeps getting cut off all night, so it's just this frustrated, crazy, thrown together thing that your brain is doing.
1: Uh, a lot of shadow people and things, yes. Y-
0: yeah. Shadow
1: people is a reoccurring thing in dreams, correct? In a uh, sleep apnea or problems in your sleep, shadow people.
0: Yeah, that's like a. It's kind of a psychological archetype. Uh, mm-hmm. Happens all over the world, and some people think, oh, it's because there's a shadow realm that you're, you know, tapping into. A lot of other people think that it's maybe just because of, uh, well, your brain perceives figures throughout the day, and then, you know, if it's going to sort of half hallucinate, of course, there, there's nobody, yeah. nobody knows.
1: I'm sure that we, we've had that fear of the Shadow Man since we were huddled together around a fire, you know, the Shadow Man that you can't see that's coming towards you.
0: Yeah, but like, I don't There's there's two different ways of looking at that, because if you go into like evolutionary psychology and you look into like monster stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, When people were hunter-gatherers, they would tell their kids, like, there's a crazy shadow rapist man outside of the village. Uh It's, you know, served a function to keep people from wandering off and just getting eaten by, you know, animals and shit. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be, like, a vestigial leftover thing where your brain just comes up with, like monsters, you know?
1: I love it. We had the raw-headed bloody bones growing up.
0: What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's my parents told me about raw-headed bloody bones. He's gonna come and get ya. Um, I think it's a German thing. So, Kyle. It sounds like it. I know. Pretty it's, much all oh, of those. Oh, it's a Missouri ghost story. Really? There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just looked it up right then and there. It sounds yeah. like
0: a cool country
5: song. And I grew up my whole life never hearing about it in Missouri. Really? Yeah.
1: Interesting, and I heard about it. My parents
0: it. weren't very responsible when it came to dream monsters. They, they, <laughs> they'll be the first to admit it. Mm. If you haven't heard of the Rob, but bloody, bloody friend, then, uh, you are it. Oh, <laughs> shit. Look to your left, look to your right. <laughs> yeah. If neither of them are Rob, but bloody bone
5: monsters.
1: That's great. Now, Kyle, what do you have? What, what keeps you up at night?
5: Um, I, I tend to have, a a, a big series of reoccurring nightmares and, um, I've had not, sort of like night terrors. A lot of it is, is jolt awake from the nightmares or trying to wake up from the nightmares. I'll, I'll be lucid in the dream and know that it is and, uh in an effort to wake up. Sometimes I'll flail or scream or something like that. Or uh, I sleep on my side or my stomach a lot, so I'll wake up with like face down in the pillow and spit-type gagging-type thing, trying wow. to wake up, just sort of gasping for air.
1: Wow. So a lot of stress Mm dreams. Do you think it's because you're a very cool, chill person in real life? Do you think you take all that stress and then just bottle it up? And at night, it just kind of unpops like a champagne bottle?
5: Yeah, probably. Um, (laughs) It's a big series of I had uh, in high school, I had like a tough time. And that started all these weird nightmares. And it, it was sort of perpetuated by the fact that I was really interested in supernatural and I was like going around ghost hunting and then with with weird purpose, not just like recreational purpose. And, yeah. and then they have just sort of toppled into what I think is like a snowball effect where now I associate going to sleep with triggering a nightmare. So there's going to be a nightmare and now that they don't stop every time I go to sleep, I assume it's going to happen. So it's like a chicken and the egg type thing at this point where it's like I'm going to have a horrible time sleeping. Because I'm telling my, you know, I don't know where it's going to start or finish. Interesting.
1: uh, So every night you have a nightmare.
5: Well, yeah, I'll usually sleep a couple of nights a week and sometimes, you know, not sleep two or three nights a week too. I'll just stay awake and sort of stare or try and work on
0: something. Wow, that's fucked up. That's known as a self-fulfilling prophecy, by the way. Yeah, that's kind of... Self-fulfilling
1: prophecy? Oh, because you believe the nightmare's going to happen, so it is? It
5: causes it to happen. And then it happens, so the next night I assume it's going to happen again, and then you know, 12 years go by or whatever.
1: You know, I used to have a lot of nightmares growing up as a kid, and my mother, I would always cry to her, and she said, Amber, next time you have a nightmare, just get out of it. And, um, you know, she's a very blunt sort of woman. <laughs> yeah. So that night I go to bed and I had a dream that these witches were throwing me in a, in a cauldron to eat. And then I realized I was in a nightmare and I just got out of the cauldron and I walked away. It was very empowering. That happens yeah. a lot
5: of the time with me where I know it's a, a nightmare. Where I'm like, oh, here's this thing happening again. And then I just sort of start to make myself wake up. But mm-hmm. then I have a hard time getting back to sleep or when I'm starting to fall asleep, I can feel myself slipping back into whatever of these various nightmares are going to be. Some of them, and they're pretty, there's like definite parts that reoccur in a lot of them and then sort of things that, that, that are different a, little, a lot like of the what,
1: time. Like what reoccurs?
5: So the lots most of them are, uh, it's me in a familiar situation with unfamiliar people or me in an unfamiliar situation with familiar people. Mm. So um, a lot of them are like me unable to save my family from a situation and one that happens a lot of the time is my childhood home is like two floors and I, I, was in the, I grew up in the top floors where my room was and. I just sort of feel something is happening and I try and leave my room and I can't get out eventually I break out and I dive like head first down the stairs and 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 what I glimpse is like my my family getting like sacks put over their head like the like people are like you know bagging them like that like V for Vendetta type of bag I don't really know what it is but they're putting yeah. guys over and so I freak out and stand up and something Comes through the back of my head, and it's like a pole comes out my mouth, and I'm stuck, and I can't get out because the pole is out my mouth, and so I rip, I rip it out sideways, and then there's a big gash inside my mouth. Jesus, wow! I read that on a
1: laffy taffy once. Yeah,
5: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. The the TBD was a good part of the laffy taffy.
1: Damn, that's a that's very, um, very descriptive, and it's also very. uh, What's the word when everything's. it, Evocative?
0: It, oh, no. It all seemed. I, I yeah. can't think of it either. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> vivid. Vivid. There you go. Oh, That's yeah,
5: yeah. They usually are, are. And. um.
1: Your eyes got really big. They're usually.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they vivid. Uh, yeah. And for a while, I wrote them down, and I don't know if that helped or if that just allowed me to remember enough details to have them be even more consistently reoccurring.
1: Damn. Do you ever try to enjoy the nightmare? Maybe enjoy the stress.
5: Sometimes. Just sink um, into
1: it. Just let your life collapse around you.
5: I was in, uh, I had a dream the other night and I was in some sort of large building um, near where I grew up, but it was with friends from New York and the building was collapsing and my friends were dying and I could kind of feel, it. I knew I was in a dream and I could kind of feel like everything, everyone's sort of dying and it just collapsing behind me and I was like, oh, I'm just going to dive head first down in this and see if I wake up and I didn't I just was laying on the ground for a while and then eventually woke up
0: wow have you ever lucid dreamed
5: yeah very good at it um it, it yeah it now I if I am if I go to bed sober or if I go to bed uh, the worst is if I go to bed caffeinated at all Um. I'll, I'll I will lucid dream because I'll just be like I'll be exhausted but not tired yeah. and so my body shuts down but my head is just like nope oh, nope 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 what are we doing and it's very excited
1: now, Jake, what are some of your reoccurring themes in your dreams? Because you mentioned uh, you were tending bar, and, like, people with the right. ghost monsters wanted you to serve them. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so I started to get sleep Avenue really bad, like, a year, year and a half ago. We was, all want uh, mojitos. Yeah, yeah, it really was <laughs> the worst nightmare ever. I was working at this really hardcore bar that was just really high volume. Um, it was all pen and paper, no POS. It was really stressful. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, It was kind of driving me nuts, and the sleep apnea thing was happening at the same time, so I'd get home from work, just completely beat, lay down on my mattress, and then what would happen is, it's because I wouldn't be able to fully fall asleep, my eyes would still be kind of open, Mm. Uh, my brain would kind of half fall asleep, while the room I was staring at started to, like, turn into a dream world, and these shadowy fucking demon things would come into my room, and then my bed, because I'm laying, you know, imagine the perspective of laying down, looking at your feet on a mattress, Mm -hmm. that turned into the bar, because that is the same perspective you have when you're looking down, the, you know, from the behind a bar. Yeah. They would come up to the mattress and then lean on it with, like, little wallets out and shit, and my brain just wouldn't be able to stop working, so oh. just be, like, rolling around like, oh, oh, one minute! Give me a minute, shadow person, you know? Damn. Um, and just, like, people walking around my room and shit, and it's a really interesting thing, because you, you, it sounds so silly to talk about now, but you can't tell when it's happening. You really think it's real, you know? You
1: really think there's shadow people walking around your room. Yeah, and they're That's...
0: thirsty, and you know,
1: oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, and that's very often. You get that quite often. Do you think uh, it's stress related from from your work?
0: I think it's a combination of stress and this this thi- this not this breathing thing. I'm really yeah. really into like the science of this shit. And, oh yeah, uh, was well, psychology dropout. Uh, <laughs> so I have half of an education about this sort of thing. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I, I really think it has. It's just I think I can pinpoint the three factors. It's like the stress and the uh, not being able to breathe. And maybe my mother or something—I don't know, some other thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's not going to sleep at night, and the next day you you're affected by that, so then you're not going to have a good day, and that's going to lead to more stress and more stress and more. It just right. piles on each other.
0: It's a perpetuating crazy thing, and I I only realized that it wasn't normal until like uh, well, recently. I started taking uh, decongestant drugs, which are kind of methy. I don't really like to take them because then you're just all cracky during the day and stuff, mm-hmm. and they kind of fuck up your sleep to begin with, but. Honestly, this morning I woke up and felt, like, kind of normal, and it was this horrible, like, Kaiser Sose moment where I was like, is this what every morning is supposed to feel like? <laughs> because it hasn't for years, uh, which I was chalked up to, like, I don't know, drinking and hard living and shit, mm-hmm. but uh, I think really, like, breathing makes a huge difference. Uh, I say that because a year ago, or a year and a half, something like that, um, I remember I, I was going to do a little run of shows with a friend of mine through, like, just across the country, and in order to do it, I had to save up a bunch of money at that job, and so I picked up a bunch of doubles and stuff, and uh, I got so intensely into this cycle of fucked up sleeping and bartending that uh, the first night we drove out to Memphis, I did this gig, it was great. And then, like, the next morning, I woke up just, like, going, fuck, yeah, yeah," like, just running around this guy's apartment and, like, screaming, like, I gotta get to work. And he had to grab me by the shoulders and be like, you do not have to work today, right? And I was just like, oh, I'm in Tennessee. It took me, like, ten minutes to realize I wasn't, like, in this thing. So I think a lot of it has to do with the stress of, like, uh, waking up, you know?
1: Mm, Just living that life. It's hard.
0: Well, it's hard to wake up when you have this sort of shit. So, like, you get really freaked out. Like, sometimes you don't sleep because the whole time you're like, "What if I don't wake up on time in the morning?" Mm. And then you're just you're just fucked. It's
1: fucked. So, when uh, when did you first discover you had this uh, sleep apnea?
0: Um, I think I figured it out because my mom had messed up sinuses growing up, and mm-hmm. she would always talk about it and just sort of, I don't know, just sort of pine on about it, but not really diagnose or anything. She used to have to go to the doctor and the she used to have to go to the surgeon who would, like, break her nose. Oh, and God. And she'd come home and have this big Darth Vader mask on and stuff. But she kind of was just like, yeah, this is just how my life is, or whatever. Um, maybe didn't really understand the full uh, effect of it. And my dad kind of had a similar thing. And so I think they don't realize that they uh, made a person who can't breathe. Basically, Mm, Interesting. Um,
1: Kyle was telling me an interesting story the other day about a a guy that got knocked out and then mm -hmm. he, so this guy, okay, he gets knocked out, um, by a football player and then he wakes up and he meets this woman. They get married. They have two children. He has 10 years they spend together. And then one day he's looking at this lamp and he's like, the lamp isn't real. Why is the lamp? And then he wakes up and he's in the hospital and he would, they were like how long he was like how long was I out? I was out for 10 years right? And they were like no for like a few minutes and he says he still dreams of these children he had and they're so vivid that he had to go check himself into a psych ward.
3: Weird
5: Yeah he said he lived his whole life and then a lamp was just upside down but still working properly and he just stared at the lamp so long he like lost his job and his wife moved out and he couldn't see his kids and then he just realized the lamp wasn't real and then he just sort of waited alone in a room for something
0: to happen until he woke up do you ever think this sort of shit is going to drive you crazy like that?
5: I don't know. Um, I've had... Uh, <laughs> it's bad when it uh, seeps over into real life. I used to... when when I. It hasn't happened in a while, but I used to have encounters where I thought I was asleep when I was awake. And so I would trigger myself and try and wake myself up. And then you'd just... Sometimes behave irrationally And um, Like
1: slapping your face On the street
5: (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Wake up (laughs) Wake up I I used When I At a job I got in a fight With someone And it was Everything felt very weird And the whole day I was very off And uh, I got in a fight With my boss And then I was just like I did something Didn't feel right About the whole day And I just was convinced that i just was convinced that i was asleep and i just so i just like left and walked around and then oh, he came and found me and he was just, it just became this big situation i had to go home um i've had a, a um I lived in chicago for not even a year and had a real bad time with it there and and um generally anytime i'm in a it, it, it isn't good when I'm around a bunch of stuff I don't know With people I do know Because then it makes me feel like I'm asleep oh, that's So if sick. I'm in like an unfamiliar situation With a bunch of people I've known for a long time people When people aren't in their compartmentalized places my brain has them in
1: mm-hmm.
5: it can it gets frustrating and so uh it was bad when my dad visited new york and it didn't make any sense being on a train with my dad or something like that Oh, um,
1: what if you're sleeping now kyle
5: i i don't know I, this would be a very unpleasant way to spend it
1: though whole-
5: <laughs> uh, i don't know if it was a nightmare i just talked about them the entire time um, yeah and the basement so, yeah. of the
1: creek is some people's nightmares <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
5: um it's been it's been uh Different medications and things like that have always had had, had side effects that sort of were outweighed and, and I didn't enjoy more than a, uh just not being on them at all. And I was on I, I tried taking um some sort of sleep aid and I don't even remember what it was called, and it mo that it made me um always think I was asleep for days and days and days and days. And, days.
1: and That's no um, good. N- yeah. n-
5: no no I, I had a uh this is ew, I uh I I like jumped in on the train tracks to try and wake up and i some like construction guys grabbed me and i don't really remember too much about it um
1: really so mm -hmm. this is real life you thought you were asleep so you jumped on the train tracks Mm -hmm. not even
5: to just like jump in front of a train like i wasn't you know i didn't time that like that yeah um but i was just like well this is so ridiculous let's just see what we think is down this way.
0: The, it was like punching a wall in the Matrix. Sort of, yeah. if it goes... <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, and then I just walked from a train stop almost to another one and got grabbed by these guys. And I guess luckily it was late and no trains came. You know, thank God the trains suck. Uh, underground? Other, yeah. Oh, was it on the G? No, no, it was on the L train. <laughs> Holy shit, uh, so
1: you were underground and you walked from like one stop to the next the, underground?
0: From the
5: Bedford train stop to the Lorimer,
0: uh... Train
5: stop.
1: That must have been terrifying. Yeah, wait,
0: fuck sleep disorders. Let's do a podcast about what's down there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really remember. Uh,
5: just this, the guys uh, freaking out yeah. and grabbing me.
1: That must have been terrifying for them yeah. to see. Just a lone white guy. They were
5: very upset. Yeah. And then uh, I wasn't even going to try and explain anything to them. They were just very, very upset. And they took me out and took me above ground and then I had to talk to a police officer and then uh, they just let me go.
1: Holy shit. Wow. So this brings up another important question, medication. Let's go over some of the medications you've taken, like some of the good ones, some of the bad ones. Self-medicated, have you done it? Have you tried self-medication, Jake?
0: I've been drinking for uh, <laughs> 65 <laughs> years at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah?
0: Um, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, like, ooh, you know, I mean, you're a drinker yourself, Amber Nelson, <laughs> from my <laughs> gatherer. What? <laughs> <You> <laughs> I'm know. a good girl. Uh, Unplugs the IV in yeah. her (laughs) Uh, You know, booze is something you get in the habit of, and then if you drink six nights in a row, the the one night off, you're like, wait, how does this work again, where you sleep? You lay down, it's a little odd. Um, So that's kind of a double-edged sword, because, you know, if a doctor will tell you that uh, that's the problem, but you're like, doctor, that's the only thing that, what do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. Um, Aside from that, though, I, uh, every once in a while, I'll fuck with, like, I'll just, get uh, my paws on some ambient or something like that, which is kind of nice.
1: I hear um, that gives you fucked up dreams, though.
0: It does. Ambient's what triggered the train situation. Really? It, it gives you really... Well, if, if you are a person who sleeps normally, what you do is you take ambient and then you don't go to sleep, like you fight it and then you go you have crazy
1: that sounds crazy. horrible yeah. <laughs> yeah when I want to go to sleep I go the fuck to sleep yeah like, I gotta fight it and stay up longer
5: right so got to beat, beat watch- your 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 own brain at some sort of
0: contest
1: I know I just want to watch more YouTube videos
0: yeah I mean that, that makes sense that's like what a healthy person does but I kind of have it in me for some reason to like when I'm asleep I don't want to wake up and when I'm awake I don't want to go to sleep and it's like uh, it's dumb like mm. I'll just be having a conversation with myself in either side of that just like what is wrong with you <laughs> like just do it but uh there's something in your head that makes you know that happen um I this thing I recently started taking was uh this just happenstance happened to ride my bike by a little weird pharmacy the other day and just went in and was like give me something for this you know? <laughs> I have these And uh, they gave me a a combination of just like uh, whatever, acetaminophen, you know, just regular painkiller, dextromethorphan, which is cough syrup, and then like pseudephedrine, I think, which is like nasal decongestant, Mm -hmm. which is the shit you make meth out of at the same time. So I'm on this weird kind of speedball right now where I'm like on cough medicine and this like upper at the same time.
1: Wow.
0: Um, It's working.
1: It's working, but is your quality of life better?
0: It's, it's like a roll of the dice, because, like, the first day I was doing it, I was like, this is great. And then, like, yesterday, I did it again, and just was like, I'm going to sit down and write this thing I need to write. And I just immediately passed out. Oh. Um,
1: it probably needs, means you need to go to sleep. Your it, body needs some quality rest.
0: Yeah. Well, huh. Okay, so all of this is... this. It would be cool if I could figure out some chemical, like Programmed to just be awake when I want to be awake and asleep when I want to be asleep, but Mm -hmm. that's really like the strangeness of living like this is just not having any control over that. It's really stressful to like have a job and be like, all right, I got to be up for. these six hours and then like doing comedy and shit too you know
1: yeah very stressful
0: yeah well sometimes I'll be out a set and I'm just like because my brain is such a swinging pendulum like I'll just be like okay I got a gig tonight and I'm just like god I just am not in the fucking mood right now you know that's mm-hmm. a real problem it mm-hmm. sucks
1: what are some of the well you said the ambient thing triggered the trains yeah
0: and that
5: there've been a couple of different uh, tries with that and then just like weird yeah. like higher strength melatonin and things like that they, where they just want me it, it really I do just drink to try and fall asleep sometimes yeah and um, I won't really uh, go out and drink very much because it's I just associate it with then wanting to go to sleep and so uh-huh. if I'm out and I have one drink I'm just like why are we somewhere like what are we doing um Interesting. So, yeah, it, it, I, I don't really like, I have, I don't really, have never, I don't really like taking any prescriptions or anything like that. Um, I really had, had I probably went until I was 23 or 24 before I'd ever had aspirin or anything like that even. And so I just kind of was never around it and never really took it and was more kind of afraid of it. And I never wanted to have any dependency on something mm-hmm. or build any sort of like tolerance for something that way when I actually needed it, it would be effective. Um, just a few, uh, every once in a while, if I go talk to someone, they'll prescribe something and then I just usually won't pick it up.
1: Mm. Yeah, because that sounds insane, the Ambien thing. Yeah. Cause you, so you, you just have like a, a glass of whiskey every night before you go to bed?
5: Um, Read it, the
1: paper, smoke yeah. a cigar?
5: Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. fall asleep cool. in my robe. <laughs> um, it is sometimes whiskey, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, I'll get high and then just kind of trigger myself to like wind down and go to sleep, but... Really, the the best times, the mo- the best sleep I get is if I pass out. Does weed work for you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like...
5: But I don't smoke very much.
0: Well, why don't you... Like cause it's twice some people, a month. Some people smoke, like, because they say it helps them go to sleep. Yeah. So why don't you just smoke more weed?
5: I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, when I used to smoke all the time, then it... I just quit enjoying it, and it just sort of became a task. I don't know. Oh. Well, Interesting.
1: Just, well, um, I think we're we're kind of wrapping it going a little down here. Does anybody have any final words before we all kill ourselves? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
5: the big thing, the thing that's always, like, frustrated me is whenever I go to talk to someone about it and you talk to, like, a shrinker psychologist or someone and they will, they sound like they have its, they... They're so quick to be like, oh yeah, that's this. Do this, and you're fine. And you're it's like, well, you know, maybe
1: I'm a person. I feel like feelings. you've kind of
5: wrapped, if you're wrapping it up in three seconds, maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Or I'm, or I find myself saying things to elicit the right responses from someone like that. And so then I just get frustrated with myself, and I'm like, well, this is not an honest conversation. If I'm, if I'm like, if you say this, this will be over. Yeah. Or if you say this, they'll respond this, and you know,
1: they're just looking at you like you're just a pile of money. To I'm give just them- like
0: two o'clock to three o'clock or something like
1: yeah, that. Yeah. Dang.
0: Well, if they see you as a pile of money, that's probably because they're awake and uh, hallucinating.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> Any final final thoughts, Jake?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry anyone has ever had to sleep next to me. I snore really loudly, by the way. That's something I meant <laughs> to Ooh, get out here. good
1: lord. It's like I fucked can't. up.
0: Like, every girlfriend I've ever had has uh, videotaped it, just says like a goof to show their friends and shit. It's really you wanna hear like a little sample? Like yeah. it kind of
1: oh my god. <laughs> what a
0: funny little goof to show your friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. I worse. can't handle snoring. I would probably get up and sleep right. on the couch. Yeah. Do you ever
0: use the, the masks? Uh, I'm saving up for one. How sad is this podcast? All right. Uh, you're saving up for a sleep mask? I'm saving yeah. up for a Bane mask because oh, I mad. want to see if it works. That'd be, I'm put it that'd be a good Kickstarter. There are a lot of money, but I found one on Craigslist for 75 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And you
1: just put it on at night and, you know, look like you're going through a gas chamber
0: uh-huh i'll look like uh, dennis hopper and twin peaks or something like that <laughs> or no that was finally blue velvet uh, mm. whatever um yeah th- that's that's kind of it uh you know be aware of nightmares i don't know what do you say about this
1: <laughs> i don't know just whatever sort of final final jerry springer thoughts
0: uh sleep well everyone and mm. have a pleasant tomorrow
1: that's great thank you well you guys are f- this has been very informative um and I'm sorry about your, your lives. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Uh, Kyle, what's your Twitter handle?
5: Um, just Kyle Ayers.
1: Kyle Ayers at Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Jake?
0: It's Feral Jokes.
1: Feral Jokes. And Mary, what's yours? Uh, you can follow me at Mary J. Bulge. Uh, and nice. also listen to other podcasts I produce at Cave Garbany Radio. That's great. I'm Amber Smelson. Um, this is fantastic. And I love you all. Peace be with you.
3: Word.
4: All right. Thank you, Amber. That was enlightening as always.
3: Jake and Kyle as well. You guys are sweet little potato muffins. All right. Well, now we're about to um, transition over to Rodney. But uh, first figure we talk about just like how nightmares have you know taken over movies. I mean, obviously there's a
4: uh, nightmare Fre- on El- Elm Street. Yeah.
3: Freddy Krueger. There's a whole mess of those movies.
4: And I think they work to a certain degree and we'll talk about, you'll see this in our interview with Rodney, I think these work because we have this collective agreement on nightmares and these boogeymen and these people that come into our dreams at night and scare us all there's some sort of weird universality to it
3: freddy krueger is one of those rare horror movie guys that really scares everyone even if you haven't seen the movies i remember years before i ever saw a freddy krueger movie i knew what he looked like he scared the shit out of me he had i knew he came to you in your dreams where you're completely defenseless and it's just a really frightening thought and I love the, you know, forever the Nightmare on Elm Street movies will be great. Obviously, the first three are the only re- truly scary ones. And uh, Dream child sucks a dick but the rest of them are a lot of fun
4: my uh, my father uh the only premium channel he got us was encore and i think it was probably he got it for free and they, they show weird movies on encore and growing up one of the freddy krueger movies was on like during the day and i had never seen it or known anything about it but there was very little supervision about my television watching at home yeah and i remember seeing this and then since that day I still, when I'm going up steps for some reason, I think Freddy Krueger is going to chase me if I don't get up the steps fast enough. So if you're with me on the steps and I'm running up the steps, it's because I'm running away from Freddy (laughs) Krueger.
3: All right, you know, I know no one asked me to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and rank the Freddy movies as far as Ed Larson is concerned. We're going to go with number one, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then my number two is actually number three, The Dream Warriors, followed by number four, The Dream Master, number six, Freddy's Dead, number seven, New Nightmare, number two, I don't remember the, the, the second part of that, and the last one is number five, The Dream... Child, which is hot garbage. <laughs> that is the one where Freddy skateboards. Well, I think I would probably be entertained by that. Yeah, yeah. I think
4: my list would probably be your inverse list. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note, let's go to our interview with Rodney Asher, director of *The Nightmare* and *Room uh, 237.
3: Yeah. Oh, and um, uh, f- *Freddy vs. Jason* and the other <laughs> one don't really count. The <laughs> remake. They don't. They don't go. They don't fall anywhere on anyone's list. All right. We'll be right back.
4: Uh, We are, Eddie and I here are in my place today, uh, joined by Rodney Asher, who's calling in from L.A. He is the director and editor of the movie The Nightmare, which focuses on people with sleep paralysis that takes a very, you know, horrific and compelling look at how our night terrors and nightmares can affect us in our lives. Rodney, great. Thank you so much for being with us today.
3: Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, man. So what, uh, let me let's let's uh, jump right into it. How did you uh, even think about this project? Did this happen to you yourself?
2: Yeah, it did. I mean, it was a long time ago, but you know, it was something I started to um, look back into a couple years ago, and I was kind of astonished to find that, you know, when it happened to me, I could barely find out anything about it, you know, or come into contact with anyone else's stories, but it's a whole different world now. And, you know, you you type sleep paralysis, you know, into Google and you'll just be drowning in stories. And the ones that I found, you know, really made mine pale in comparison. Um, you know, and then the other thing, and you know, I guess is the type of thing that gets me going in particular is all the different ways that these people were looking at it. You know, what they thought was really going on and the places that it took them, you know, as they were, as they were searching for answers. So like in the wake of Room 237, when I was looking to do another documentary that you know, sort of crossed over into the world of horror, it was a, it was a pretty easy choice.
4: And I like that. And I really like that choice that you made as opposed to being like a Discovery Channel documentary about the science behind it. This seemed more of like the spiritual exploration or, or the kind of alternate reality exploration of, of what this really means because science can't explain this really.
2: Well, I mean, science can explain what's happening to your body, you know, and, and to some extent in your brain, but it can't explain why people see the things that they do. I mean, it's just like, you know, science trying to explain dreams or psychedelic trips. You know, they might say what LSD is doing to your neurons, but they're not going to say why you see, you know, a uh, a pelican in a top hat.
3: I was going to say Mr. Peanut, but yeah. that was close enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we were both we were. Some reason we were both we we, we, were, we were both locking onto top hats. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there is something about top hats that is very scary. You know uh, the pilgrims. Uh, the, you know there's a a lot of the boogeyman comes out in that. And you even mentioned it in your movie. Uh, there's a man, uh, a shadowy figure with a big uh, with a big hat. What is the deal with hats? Why are they involved in you,
2: this? You know what? You got me. But the synchronicity is pretty striking. You know, Babadook wore a hat. Freddy Krueger wore a hat. You know, and especially since I think it was JFK who stopped wearing hats, like kind of in in informal wear. that they're less and less common, you know, culturally, you know, like fedoras or top hats you know, or anything since the 50s. But, um, you know, it hasn't stopped the boogeymen from wearing them.
4: Man, I wonder if Obama would be scarier if he did the State of the Union with a top hat on. (laughs) (laughs) I I I think he could pull it off better than most.
3: Oh, man, he but, looked great.
4: But speaking of that synchronicity where you you and Eddie just synced up on that, one of the things I also found amazing about the film was that at the end you kind of talked about how this phenomenon happens across the world, across cultures and stuff.
2: Yeah, well, you know, and that's like one of the things that, you know, people find, you know, kind of, you know, works as sort of anecdotal evidence that Whatever is happening is more complicated than random hallucinations, you know, that different people from different places see kind of similar things, you know, and whatever the explanation for that, you know, might be, um, you know, it's pretty fascinating.
3: Yeah. And go ahead, Eddie. Yeah. I was, do you, how much of this is, do uh, you think is actually involved in like a, a spiritual realm or is it all in just our brains going rotten?
2: Well, you know, that's that's kind of the big question in the film, and you know, I tried to leave that you know sort of open-ended. You know, are the things that these people see are they being projected from within, or is it a sensitivity to something outside of us that's usually hidden? And um, you know, the being projected from within is probably the more conservative guess, Um, but you know, in the wee hours of the night, (laughs) it's pretty easy to uh, lean the other way.
3: I remember, uh, I personally had two, uh, when I'm watching your film, I remember two times in my life when I had, a, when I had problems with this, and, uh, mm-hmm. when I was a child one time, there was a every, the the neighborhood was like the room, rather, was, uh, pretty haunted, and a lot of people in my family had a lot of stories from that room, and so I think that oh, yeah. might be, a, like a separate type of, type of deal. But in, uh, college one time, I remember I went through the whole thing, the shadow figure, the locked... You know, on my back, scared to move, and I just all of a sudden there's just like a terribly loud banging on the wall, and it's the noise like Lord, 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 and just the word Lord, over and over again. And I remember losing my mind over it and telling all my friends about it in the morning. And I don't know, everyone was kind of making fun of me and everything. I haven't had anything since, but uh, <laughs> when I saw it, when I yeah. saw your movie, it was uh, it was oddly uh, thrown right back into my front of my brain lobe.
2: Yeah, well, I think that fear of people laughing at you is the reason that a lot of people, you know, sort of suffer in silence. You know, yeah. I can't tell you how many folks I've, you know, I've spoken with, you know, who said, oh, my God, it happened to me and I've never told anyone
4: that's another thing I found so interesting is that everyone that you interviewed seemed like a relatively well-adjusted and normal person, except for this one thing that's happening to them in their lives. Most of the time you see a documentary, it's like, all right, here come the Hoi Paul. They're kind of crazy people coming in here, but these were all pretty reasonable people. Did you have that sense as well?
2: Yeah. Well, um, no, I mean, I think all these folks are, um, interesting, stable, you know, stable folks who, um, you know, why, why I like talking to them in particular is because they were so candid, you know, about what they were going through, you know, and, and kind of articulate about it. But, um yeah, I didn't have any reason not to believe them.
4: When you were interviewing them, what was kind of your experience having been through this before? What was your experience almost cathartically when you were talking with them?
2: Well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, there, there, there's lots of talks about catharsis and closure and I don't know if I've personally ever experienced either of those things, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 in, in most any uh, capacity, but I mean, this thing happened to me long enough ago that it wasn't really still troubling me. Yeah. You know, I'd kind of made my peace with it um, years ago. I think what was most useful for me um, about having gone through it myself You know, I was able to, you know, share my story with the people I was talking to and kind of put them at ease that, you know, I was like them, you know, someone who went through it and is looking for answers, you know, not an outsider coming to gawk. And when it came time to shoot the reenactments, you know, when there were questions about how these things might look, you know, I was just able to draw on my memory.
3: And you use the actual people to uh, serve as their own reenactors, correct? Correct. Um, no, those were all actors. Those were
2: all-, all actors, but huh? I thank, think, but thank you for thinking
3: that. <laughs> yeah, no, they were, looked uh, good. Uh,
2: you did a good job pairing them up. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, our ma- casting makeup wardrobe goes a long way.
4: <laughs> yeah, and those reenactments, they, they felt like dreams. And I think you did a great job cutting this thing together. Every frame had a little bit of that sense that you were in a dream like state. Um, from the vignettes around the frame to like the little out of focus shots that you were pulling, which were really cool. Uh, what what kind of where were you drawing from when you were doing this? From your own experiences, or were you kind of? I love it that people were sketching out their dreams. Or was that kind of fodder for you when you were creating this in post?
2: Yeah, you know, we we kind of drew from a lot of things. Both, um, you know, the way people describe stuff, their drawings, my own memories, but because there's a lot of talk. You know, that these kind of stories could be, you know, the seeds for folklore and mythology, which, you know, would continue to inspire horror movies. Drawing from horror, from classic horror movies was something we weren't um, embarrassed to do. You know, so I had a lot of conversations with Bridger, uh, Bridger Nielsen, RDP, you know, about ways to, you know, kind of tap into that world. Um, yeah, and the focus thing, um, you know to get technical for for just a second one of the one of the things we had as like these pan and tilt lenses which where we were able to sort of be very selective about the depth of field and distort it in kind of an interesting way um i think we if if i remember right we might have had a little grid you know on a scale from one to five like how far to push it depending on the context and scene to scene
4: Oh, I love that. I think that's so cool. And I think for all of our listeners that are, you know, uh, burgeoning creators, really think about how much detail you put into each frame. I think it's really important. It really ties everything together. Uh, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and get a little bit weird. What do you what do you think the devil dreams about?
2: (laughs) The devil,
4: huh? There was a lot of talk about um, the devil in in the film and or, or at least the other side. Um mm-hmm. and so I, I guess it just made me think of well, what is the devil dreaming about?
2: Well, you know, maybe he's reprocessing, you know, his childhood traumas, uh, you know, back in heaven before he was exiled from paradise.
3: I feel like he's a good guy. He's just got a bad job. <laughs> I like that.
2: <laughs> he's just too ambitious for his own good, you know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's tough work.
4: You he's know? really just a capitalist. He's really just trying to be efficient and productive
3: as a member of uh, the other world. He saw an open land and he went for it. It's manifest <laughs> destiny.
2: Well, you know, and, and, and you know, and ultimately, if he had wanted to, you know. Um, you know, rule in heaven and got exiled to hell, it does seem ironic that um, by punishing sinners, he's doing God's work. You, know, do you think if he, if, if he was really rebe- rebelling, he'd make it nice down there.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. <laughs> That's great. So uh, do you believe in a? An, I don't know, all joking aside, a spiritual realm? Uh, a place where you know our spirits go past our bodies
2: I don't know it, d- it depends what time of day you talk to me um, certainly, <laughs> and certainly in the course of these two films I've been I've opened myself up you know more to you know, you know considerably more to metaphysical ideas than you know I was probably sitting in you know uh, ten years ago yeah I saw Room 237
3: also that was a very interesting movie uh, did you spend a lot of time in the hotel
2: itself? well, you know um not until afterwards you know there's you know in a way there's multiple hotels that can claim to be the inspiration you know for the overlook you know from the one that Stanley, that one that Stephen King stayed in, the Stanley Hotel, which is another weird synchronicity that it would have the first name of oh, yeah. the guy who's gonna go make the movie to the different hotels that were. Inspiration for the uh, sets that they built in the film, but yeah. No, after after I made the film, I made I, I went to a festival that they had at the Stanley Hotel. Um, where bizarrely enough, I met Leon Vitali, who you know did a lot. we worked with Kubrick for decades, uh-huh. including on The Shining, as well as Nick Garris, who did the TV version, and has worked really closely with Stephen King through the years. You know, so it was. You know, looking through the looking glass experience for me, where seemingly having thought so much about this story in this place, eventually, you know, I found myself um I, I, I found myself transported there, um, you know, with other people who'd been had spent a lot of time thinking about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh Back over to, uh, to night terrors. Can you, would you mind telling us about yours? Well, sure. I mean, it's pretty
2: straightforward as far as these things go. You know, I was, I think I had just finished college. Um, and again, I hear that it's most common, like in your early 20s. Um, you know, I was living in a little wooden house um, with a couple of roommates in Florida, sort of on the edge of the woods. And then it was like three or four in the morning and I woke up and I could sort of sense you know some some thing you know coming out of the woods, you know very slowly walking towards the house, and I couldn't move, and I kind of felt like it was almost like a superpower that you know that the thing had to freeze me mm-hmm. yeah. you know I think it, like if you read um, you know any of the science about s p you know they say. They kind of lead with the paralysis, and then say like that the hallucinations are a, a side effect of it. But for me, what I was first aware of, you know, was this was this presence, and then I and then I realized I couldn't, you know, and eventually it walked into my room and it looked, you know, just like one of the shadow men, you know, that we made in the film, uh, just kind of like a silhouette, kind of a slender silhouette of a guy walking very very slowly and calmly towards me and i kind of felt that i had summoned it through you know making a series of bad choices in my life yeah. um and that in some way it was standing over me in judgment you know and it was the most horrifying thing that had ever happened to me in my life and certainly in a way that trivialized horror movies in comparison yeah you know and yeah, so I, I was pretty skeptical, secular, um, non-religious guy at the time. But this felt evil in the in, in the supernatural, religious sense of the word. Um, you know, and I wanted to scream, and I couldn't scream. You know, even though you know the thin walls of this building, of this house. You know, I had a roommate who was just probably six feet uh, to my right on the other side of the uh, plywood wall. Um, you know, and I don't even remember how I snapped out of it. Eventually, you know, after the thing had sort of, you know, just leaning inches away from my face, um, but you know, I snapped out of it. I paced. Um, I didn't tell anybody about it. You know, I took down some of the creepier um, posters and things from my <laughs> from my, from, my from, from, from from my walls and rolled them up and gave them away. And you know, um, why didn't you tell anyone um, about it? Well, no, because I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want them to laugh at me. Yeah. I didn't want them to, to think I was crazy or that I was seeing ghosts. Yeah, that's what happened to
3: me. I broke in my mouth and everyone yelled you see, at me. And you opened your mouth and they laughed at you. So. I wouldn't have yelled at you,
2: Eddie. I would have given you a big hug.
3: Well, it's a lot of our good friends who did yell at me. <laughs> and,
2: uh, and uh, yeah, well, see, my 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 friends are as bad as Eddie. I do. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> better.
3: <laughs> Why is it always a shadowy figure? For me it was like a dark blue shadowy figure. Why is it always that? Uh it seems so yeah, consistent.
2: Well, it's not always that, but it is often that. You know, sometimes it's an old lady or spiders or space aliens, you know, um yeah. but that is a really common one. In fact, there's a um there's a great passage there's passages from things like Moby Dick and Dracula that describe, you know, people paralyzed, you know, being with, you know, these shadowy, you know, people, spirits looming over them. It goes back a ways, and that's one, you know, and it's, you know, you know, it's often. Sometimes people think, people suggest, you know, that this is what's really happening, you know, when people are abducted by aliens. But you know, one key difference between this you know, sort of the UFO abduction experience is that, you know, at least in the U.S., I think it's different in Asia, but in the U S it's not something a lot of people talk about or even know about, you know, so, if you know, somebody described a alien abduction um, story, you know, we kind of know a lot of the major Mm beats and kind of what these things are supposed to look like, but you know, SP is still pretty obscure. You know, so it's harder to explain away, you know, the similarities of the things that people say.
3: Now, people who are going through this and uh, don't really understand what they're going through, uh, maybe they're listening right now and haven't seen your movie. Uh, as someone who's gone through this and as someone who has uh, talked to a lot of people about it, what advice can you give someone for them to overcome this obstacle in their life?
2: Well, you know, there's a couple things. Um, you know, one of them is usually these things you see don't hurt you. Um, it happens to a lot of, I think one of the most reassuring, one one of the things I've heard from people who've seen the movie, you know, is not even that it cured them or told them how to deal with it, but that it let them know that they weren't alone, Mm -hmm. you know, that other people go through this and it doesn't mean that you are, you know, crazy or possessed, um, which is, you know, pretty reassuring in itself. You know, and there are a handful of things that sometimes... just like there are a handful of things that um, sometimes seem to contribute to people having it, but they don't always contribute to everyone having it. By the same note, there are you know a list of things that sometimes help some people. You know, sometimes just something as um, simple as wiggling your toe or your finger, you know, um, can sort of help you break free. Jumpstart start your body. Yeah, some people do it by controlling their breathing. Some people just reading up on the science kind of um, it makes it seem less mysterious and dangerous. Yeah, adding I know, information like, a
4: lot of times can help with stuff like this.
2: Yeah, you know, for me, um, you know, it happened to me again while I was making the film, and you know, I, I pulled away first, and then I said, "Oh, wait a minute! This is awesome! I need to take—I need to let this happen and take a look for, for research." <laughs> and because I wasn't afraid, you know, I just kind of laid back and enjoyed the light show. <laughs> <laughs> the shadowy figures
4: R- did a whole whole rockhead stance for you. Is that right?
2: <laughs> well, no, this one was more of like that psychedelic neon cobweb thing, okay. oh, like Date at the end of
0: two thousand one. Oh, perfect. Uh,
2: well, which, which is actually pretty cool, um, but like there are people who welcome it and see it as sort of a the first stage the lucid dreaming um, kind of thing. There are people like like there's one there's a woman in the movie you know who prayed it away, and um, she's not the only one you know who describes that. Um, sometimes just sleeping more regularly, you know, so that you don't. Um, you know, if you get a regular eight hours sleep in time every day, kind of helps. Yes. Um,
3: being a normal human being. Yeah. It's going to be tough for us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. But, you know, I think that, I, I think it, it's most common, again, in your 20s, if you're stressed out, if you're sleeping in it, if you're sleeping irregularly, sometimes I think sleeping on your back um, helps, helps keep it, help, help, helps attract it. So like sleeping on your side. Yeah. You I know, like, know- keep it from happening
3: I noticed that most of your reenactments you had everyone sleeping on their back
2: well I mean that's also a better way to see their face oh okay yeah but but a lot of reports say sleeping on it's more common when you're sleeping on your back so it wasn't complete baloney and
4: I heard some people say that if they had the TV on, it would it would help a little bit too. That seems like it could offer some other uh, issues if, if that were to happen because the, the TV sounds can get into your
2: dreams then. Yeah, well, that was a weird one too. I mean, you know there were things that I knew going into this, but like the fact that more than one person that I spoke to talked about leaving the TV on to keep it from, from getting them was a surprise to me. You know, there are actually like a a handful of connections to consumer electronics, Um, you know, cell phones and televisions and things that um, was a surprise to me and made it, and, you know, added sort of this uh, Asian horror uh, kind of aspect to the whole thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that, um, like you said, it happened to you in your 20s, it happened to me in my 20s, and I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, In that period of my life, I was... uh, uh, doing mushrooms on a more regular basis, I was, you know, experimenting with uh, drugs, you know, more than I am now. And uh, do you think that a lot of times this could just chalk this up to acid flashbacks and stuff like that? I mean, everything.
2: There, there's the, the the weird thing about this. I mean, one of the hundred weird things about this is it seems really hard to you know kind of box in definitively. It bleeds into all sorts of other phenomenons um you know and um different things seem to help it happen you know certainly i've certainly i've heard a lot of people you know who say they've gone through it you know are coming from similar places you were yeah so um uh, it's not going to make it happen for everybody but it probably doesn't help
3: (laughs) well uh yeah rodney thank you so much for uh for coming and speaking to us man uh taking some time out and uh Letting people know about what their nightmares and how they're gonna uh, be fine and get out of this whole thing. Uh, yeah. What's, all
2: right.
3: what's coming up next? Uh, what's your next? Uh, do you have another doc in the works? I've got a couple things I'm working on.
2: Nothing is quite. Not, not, nothing is really ready to announce. Um, so, um, it's it, not, 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 nothing's gonna be ready right away. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Of course.
3: Well, in my opinion, you're two for two. So please keep at it, man. Lots of cool stuff in the future coming from you right
4: on well, thanks and what's your twitter handle for our fans they can look you up
2: yeah uh, Rodney underscore Asher and I remember the C in Asher
4: there we go Rodney Asher thank you so much <laughs> director of and editor of The Nightmare
3: uh, and I, Room 237 and both room, of those movies a lot yeah. of fun great documentaries both on Netflix I believe yeah and totally surreal check them out as soon as possible Rodney have a good day thank you so much pal you too good to talk to you guys thank you
4: so much, Ronnie Asher, again for joining us on the show. That's been the brighter side for today.
3: Absolutely, man, been a good one. Uh, thank you, Jake Flores, Kyle Ayers, with your uh, cool ass interview with Miss Amber Nelson, Ahmed Larson. That's Cena John at Cena John at EddieTunes underscore at Amber uh, hit us up
4: on Facebook group again, guys. We, we love talking to you on there. iTunes, hit the comments and subscribe if please, you can. Please, let's
3: bump these comments. we got to get more popular. If you like our show, we got to get more people listening to this thing. Let's help the world. Yeah. And please give us a call on the voicemail, 347-620-6615. Cena, say it again.
4: 347-620-6615. Don't make us call you. Please call us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and then on a somber note, man, yeah. everyone knows this is a tough week. Uh, David Bowie passed away, and he is a hero uh, to all people. He helped. Uh, he is a man who helped with equality before he even—I don't even think he knew he was helping with equality.
4: He's a good example of truly being yourself can actually help the world in so many different ways as opposed to— coming out and yelling about
3: that. Absolutely. And I wanted to play a song by another freak, Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare, because that was very appropriate. But David Bowie had to go ahead and die. So we're going to be playing uh, a song off of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, because spiders are scary and they're in your dreams. They come to get you when you sleep. So let's hear it, Mr. Ziggy Stardust. Only five seconds, of course, and then go (laughs) listen to the whole album and... Many more by Mr. David Bowie, uh, and if I had to listen, name my Bowie albums. No, we're not doing it. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. Da, da,
4: da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you later.
3: <laughs> Good night, everybody. Zaki plays guitar.
4: For more shows like the one you just listened to,
0: go to cavecomedyradio.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.